The NFL Divisional Round gets underway this weekend for the NFL playoffs and to break it all down, along with Seahawks storylines, it is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Brandon, it is great to chat with you, and I hope you're doing well on this Friday. I'm doing well. My fellow Seahawks fans, I think, are are still trying to get over the loss from last weekend to the Los Angeles Rams. It, it stinks to go down to a division rival, but, uh, you know, at least I, I guess we have that uh, NFC West championship to, to hang on to, huh? Well, here's the thing, Brandon. I, I do have to ask this because this always comes up. Because you're knocked out and the Rams are the only NFC West team left, this always, for some strange reason, comes up. And I don't understand some of the logic behind it. But do you root for the Rams because they're in the NFC West now, or do you root for them to lose? You know, I've known people that feel that way, too, because they they feel like it's somehow redemption if the team that beat you keeps going on. Or, or some people even just root for the division as some kind of divisional pride, and I've never been that kind of person. I've always just disliked the division rival teams so much that I couldn't find a way to root for them. So I always root against the the division rivals whenever they, they go farther and shoot, you know, the Seahawks got beat by the Patriots in the Super Bowl, And then it was the Patriots and Rams. And I still wanted the Patriots to beat the Rams. <laughs> then you and I think alike, sir, because I agree with you hundred percent. I do not root for anyone else in the division. If uh, my team is not in the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't get that. And, Hats off to whoever uh, wants to think that way, but yeah, I don't get a sense of pride if if my division just keeps on winning in the playoffs. I just don't get it. I, I've tried to understand those folks, and you know that's it's one perspective, but I, I can't get there myself. Brandon, looking at back at this game here, what went wrong in your mind for the Seahawks? Oh, this was just something that I think we could see it building throughout the second half of the year, and. You know, Russell Wilson, he was continuing to look downfield for the big plays just when they weren't there for a majority of that that latter part of the season. And and we saw it against the Rams. You know, if he's not looking downfield, then maybe he doesn't see DK Metcalf for that 51 yard touchdown uh, that that put the Seahawks, you know, that that got him back in the game. So, uh, you you know, you you take some of the good with some of the bad, but also on that play, you know, if he just throws to the open guy early and and doesn't try and and make things, you know, try and manufacture things, then maybe you start to get some tempo with the offense. And and we never saw the Seahawks offense develop any kind of tempo, especially in this game. One of the things that we talked about in, in the post game recap show on the Seahawkers podcast is just how with with this drive against the Rams the average number of plays on any Seahawks drive was a little over four. So that's when you can't do more than an average of four to five plays on a particular drive, that means you're not getting any kind of tempo going. And and that was something thing that you could clearly see against the Rams. Who shoulders the most blame in this? Is this Russell Wilson? Uh, I know we're going to get the Schottenheimer here in a little bit, but how much blame does he take or Pete Carroll at this point? Well, I think that you have to put the majority of the blame on the head coach because you know you, you, it always goes to him because he could see this coming, Anthony. That this is not something that just newly developed toward the end of the season. Since the middle part of the season, you could see Russell struggling uh, with uh, you know with you know, trying to find the open guys, trying to move the ball efficiently. And it uh, it almost seemed as if he was reluctant to throw the ball when there was any kind of turnover uh, potential. 
And one of the things that Pete said toward the middle of the part of the season is, you know, you can't turn the ball over. And and so I don't know if that got into Russell's head somehow. But then also as the offensive coordinator, you have to be able to scheme up plays to to make it so you know you can move the ball efficiently down the field. And it just seemed like there were so many situations where you know, they only needed a few yards, but yet Russell was taking these long dropbacks. It was long developing plays. And so, you know, when you only need three or four yards, why do you not have multiple options for Russ to look toward on those short yarded situations? So I, I didn't see a lot of that. And then, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm I'm doing this in order of blame. And you do have to put blame on Russell Wilson because he just, you know, as as much as you put some blame on Pete and Schottenheimer he just wasn't as good as he was in the first half of the season. So you could see him double clutching and, and kind of slow to make decisions. So it was, uh, that's definitely blame to go around. And, and I think I, that's how I lay it out in my head anyway, with, with those three. What did you think about what Tyler Lockett had to say after the game, kind of talking about the the offensive struggles and the fact that he kind of mentioned that defensive secondaries were throwing exotic looks, exotic coverages at them, uh, and it was stuff that they hadn't seen the pre- in film that week. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, you heard it from Tyler in in one in one regard saying that defenses were doing things differently, but then you heard Pete Carroll saying that that they weren't seeing anything different from these defenses than that, what they've done all season. So it's really weird that you hear two different things coming from two different people within the same team. So I I do think though that you were seeing more of the defenses in the second half playing the pass play, you know trying to take away the deep ball from Russell and that was one of our frustrations is that when when you're doing that it was really opening up the opportunity for the run game and the Seahawks and I, I talked about this on the show and that on second down for the Seahawks you know one of the reasons why they weren't into, able to get into many third and shorts is because they were passing on second down against the Rams a lot of those were incomplete I think they maybe successfully completed you know just a handful of passes on second down even less than that I think it was maybe two or three and not big plays so I, I they didn't even make a first down with a pass on second down so it's uh they they passed up on opportunities to run the football when they were running the ball successfully on second down. And that was a big frustration, not just in the Rams game, but I I think you can go back and look at that against the other defenses that the Seahawks were playing and see kind of a similar story. Brandon, now that Brian Schottenheimer is no longer the offensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks, what are you looking for in the next offensive coordinator? I'm I'm interested to see where they go. Obviously, Pete, hearing from him, he wants to find somebody who is you know, dialed in on the run game. And even listening to Russ, you know, one of the interesting things to me was hearing Russell Wilson's press conference this week, and almost you know talking about how big of a part that he's playing in or wants to play in choosing the offensive coordinator. And one of the reporters had to ask him like. Uh, were you in favor of this move for for firing Schottenheimer? Because you could almost sense it in in just the tone of Russ that he was kind of excited about the opportunity, and and it almost came off as as yes, he he was excited about you know getting about moving on from the former offensive coordinator. So it was it, it was an interesting clarifying question, and obviously Russ you know wasn't saying that he was happy about firing the OC, but uh, you know I I think that they're going to find somebody with that similar philosophy of, of wanting to 
to run the ball in a physical way, but also looking for the big chunk plays downfield. And and so whether it's been Daryl Bevel, whether it's been Brian Schottenheimer, that's kind of how Pete Carroll sees this offense. And I think even it's how Russell Wilson plays. So they're going to look for that kind of coach that that's able to execute in 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 that way. Brandon, what are the offseason musts for the Seahawks? Ooh, well, the one nice thing is that it feels like the the defensive line is is relatively held together. Um, I think I think the biggest thing is making sure that you can continue to protect Russell Wilson because you know, Ethan Posick, it's last his last year under contract at center. Um, I, I think you're going to see Mike Upati move along and retire. And, and so they're, that's going to create some issues up front. They're going to have to find a running back, whether it's through the draft. I don't think Chris Carson, I don't think they're going to be able to afford to keep him around Seattle. And so that's going to be a big question mark for them come the draft or come free agency. I don't know if I, I would like to see them look at that position in the draft for sure. So um, you know, keeping a lot of the pieces together, I feel like the defense is relatively, you know, that that unit as a whole the corner is going to be an issue because Shaquille Griffin, he's coming to hit the end of his contract. But I, I feel like Pete Carroll's always been able to find corners that work within the system. So, you know, it, it's weird to go into an offseason saying, I hope that they don't pay guys, but I, I kind of hope that they don't pay guys like Chris Carson and Shaquille Griffin when I know that they can find players at, at a lower cost that usually, you know, fit into those jobs and, and then where you can focus that money on positions like the offensive line. Right now we are with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Fuel Goals podcast. We'll get Brandon's thoughts and make picks for the NFL divisional round of the playoffs. That's next here on the Knock on Sports. Think about where you were one year ago today. What were you planning for? Whether or not you planned for a new challenge, you got it. And most importantly, you succeeded. Cooking at home. Learning at home. And banking at home. At Whitefish Credit Union, we understand you've been through a lot. And as you move through the year, just know we'll be right there at your side. This year, next year, and always. Whitefish Credit Union. Subject to membership eligibility. Second round of the NFL playoffs gets underway tomorrow afternoon. And to break it all down... Right now with me is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast as he joins us on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline. Uh, Brandon, uh, I think this is an exciting slate of games here. Uh, I think it's tough to rank them here, uh, but just your thoughts. Which game you know, really, really excites you uh, from this weekend? I'm really excited to see the Cleveland-Kansas City game, and I, I feel like a lot of people are, are thinking KC is just going to roll over the Browns, but... The way the Browns have been playing down the stretch, it feels like they've been in playoff mode now for weeks. And so I, I'm kind of interested to see how it's going to match up with with a team like the Browns who have been in that mode versus a team in Kansas City who they just had a week off and they've never really played that many meaningful games down the stretch. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be really interesting because in, in Cleveland really, I mean, Pittsburgh, I know they were missing some guys on defense last week, but I mean, they really boat raced uh, Pittsburgh, really took away that long passing game. I know they gave up 500 yards, but again, it was 28 nothing by the time Pittsburgh really got that going. Um, so it's, it's going to be really interesting. I agree with you, Brandon, that I think Cleveland's going to make this game a lot closer than people think against Kansas City. Yeah, I think it will be a close matchup. I still 
Uh, well, we, we can get to our picks in a minute. It's going to be tough for Cleveland to win this game just because Kansas City, Kansas City does have that ability to score so quickly. And, you know, coming down in the final minutes, you know, do you trust a guy like Baker versus a, a guy like Patrick Mahomes? So um, it, it's just one of the matchups I, I'm most looking forward to. I, I really like Buffalo. Uh, they're just a fun team, and, and I'm kind of rooting for them to move on to the next round too. So I I think there's just a lot of, interesting storylines, you know, with the potential that Aaron Rodgers, he could be going up against Tom Brady in the NFC championship, you know, can new Orleans, can they you know, find a way to get past this round without having a, you know, just a heartbreak type moment at the end of the game that, that so many saints fans have had to deal with in the playoffs for so many years. So this, that's going to be a fun weekend, Anthony. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, uh, <laughs> One of the things I enjoyed was the fact that Tampa Bay played on Saturday night. So, like, Sunday I could just enjoy watching all the games on Sunday, knowing that my team was playing next week. I'm going to have to wait a while here. But it's going to – yeah, it's it's very interesting storylines. And I think it's a really interesting weekend. be interesting to see if it plays out. I just hope we do get uh, some close games. And, and with that being said, Brandon, let's get to our picks here. I know you kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, but Rams and Packers, they're the first game up. Who do you got? Yeah, this the storyline in this game, right, is Jared Goff coming back and having to to play once again with his thumb and and they kept going to the sidelines and showing it and you know, it's one and a half times its normal size when they when they're zooming the camera in on it. So, you know, he's going to be in there. Can he continue to play with it and and how is the offense, you know, are are they going to continue to protect him by running the ball more? I think it could work against a Green Bay Packers defense, you know, as long as they can hit some of those big plays similarly to how they did it against Seattle. I just think that, you know, with Aaron Rodgers and the way that he's been able to move the football all season, that he's going to find a way to pick apart that Rams defense. Yes, I know they're the number one defense and yes, they can put points on, on the board and and if they are able to put points up on the board, it's going to be incredible because you know, Rodgers is just one of those guys that doesn't turn the ball over. No, but the thing that makes me curious about this and where I think L.A. has the advantage is, again, I'm not convinced that Green Bay has solved their physicality problem. What they've done against the physical football teams is they've been able to get out to large leads and the teams just can't use their physicality. But again, with Aaron Donald on the defensive line, if and, and Green Bay doesn't have Bakhtiari, and I know he's a left tackle, so he probably wouldn't see Donald all that much. But again, if Aaron Donald does impose his will on that Green Bay offensive line, I think that makes it very, I think all, all of a sudden the game becomes a even game between the Rams and the Packers. Yeah, I do think that you know if the if the Rams get behind early, if the Packers are able to put up two touchdowns quickly, mm -hmm. then the Rams are going to be done. They're, right. they're not going to be able to to come back from that kind of deficit. And yeah, you, you have to worry about Aaron Donald absolutely, but I think that the Packers have ways of you know of, of moving the ball a lot more quickly, getting it out of Rodgers' hands quickly, using an effective screen game. I, I think that that's going to be something that the Rams defense is going to have a little bit more trouble with than what they faced against Seattle. So I, I like the Packers in this game. Yeah, I'm going to like the Packers as well, but I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think uh, I think that defense does hold, but I think Green Bay wins. I think they're going to win 20-13 uh, to 13, uh, uh, tomorrow afternoon. You know what? I will take the Pack. I, I think that's going to be a, a two-touchdown lead. I think it's probably going to be 27-13. Brandon, moving on to Saturday night, Buffalo taking on the Baltimore Ravens. 
I'm glad Lamar Jackson was able to get a playoff win. But again, I really wasn't that impressed because Tennessee's defense is not very good and they only managed 20 points. I think Buffalo's defense is a little bit better, obviously, than the Titans. And with what Josh Allen's been able to do, I think they're good. I know Baltimore likes to blitz a lot, uh, Brandon, but I really like Josh Allen. I like the Buffalo Bills. I think they're really feeling it. I know they feel for Bills Mafia as well as behind him. I just think Buffalo is a hot team and I think they're a train that Baltimore is not going to be able to stop. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% when it comes to Buffalo that just it seems like this is their year to go deep and whether or not they can beat a team like Kansas City or, or you know, if they get lucky and and face Cleveland in an AFC championship game, it, it, it feels like a year of destiny for Buffalo and for Baltimore. I just I don't know if they quite have everything to be able to put it together to to make it to a game against, you know, uh, to get into the next round. So. I, I like Buffalo here, um, you know, it's but I suppose there's people out there saying, well, Josh Allen has made it this far. You know, is he could he have one of those games just in the playoffs where he starts to look like Josh Allen of a year or two ago? Oh, that's going to be interesting. I, I just don't think so. I think with the things that he's done through the offseason to get to this point, we really haven't seen that regression from him. And I just don't see that happening uh, in a game like this, especially Buffalo being at home uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. And again, this Ravens team, Lamar Jackson's very good. This offense is still potent when they're able to run the football. Uh, but this defense, it's not the same defense from last season. I think you can still score a lot of points on this defense. And one, you know, while we're talking defense, it's that Buffalo defense that, yeah, early on in the season, I think there were a lot of questions of, hey, what's wrong with this Buffalo Bills defense? It was a lot like Seattle, you know, people asking questions about the Seahawks defense. But I feel like they they really turned it in the second half of the season and and to where they're playing playoff caliber defense now. So in terms of balance, I think I like Buffalo just about more than any other uh, AFC team in the postseason. And so I'm going to take the Bills. Looking at Sunday afternoon, Kansas City hosting Cleveland. Uh, Brandon, again, this is going to be a fun game, but I think Kansas City edges out Cleveland by three. That's what I'm going to say. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. 38-35 is my pick, Kansas City over Cleveland. Yeah, this is the one game where, and I always like to try and pick an upset. And so kind of how I was talking about earlier with the way Cleveland has been playing these playoff style matchups, which come down to it. And, and, and so they, they've had to play hard every single week just to make it to this point. Whereas Kansas City, I, I don't get that same sense for them. I think it's going to be a close game. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be down to a field goal at the end. And I'm going to take Cleveland 34-31. Ooh, all right. So we got an upset there. Uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. And this is where my upset's going to come from, uh, Brandon. <laughs> I'm sure you're shocked. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Uh, listen, there's no question about it. New Orleans has beaten this team. I'm nervous going into this game uh, just because Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles hasn't been able to solve the riddle that is the New Orleans Saints. They haven't uh, been able to hold the Saints to under 30 points in the four matchups that uh, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles have coached against Sean Payton and the Saints. But again, Tom Brady, the GOAT, this team's won uh, five games in a row. They have some momentum coming in. Chicago, or, uh, Green, or I'm sorry, New Orleans didn't look all that sharp against Chicago last week, uh, it, but it should be an interesting matchup nonetheless. I don't expect New Orleans to boat race the Bucks again. No, I don't either. And yeah, you call it an upset, but you know, out of all the 
the favorites, I feel like that this is the the game that's expected to be the closest this weekend. So I, I don't even know if you can call it an upset. This feels more like a coin flip game to me. And I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Bucks as well. I, I, I feel a little bit bad for you know, having them as my upset pick last week. But I think that that just that idea of Rodgers and Brady in the NFC Championship, that feels right to me. And you know, after losing the last couple games to the Saints, I, I think that the Bucks turn it around and they get the win against them in the playoffs. I think the biggest thing here is, Brandon, that Tampa Bay cannot play soft coverage or can't play zone coverage against Drew Brees. I think they have to blitz this guy, and I think they have to play press man. Now, I know these wide receivers are pretty good, uh, but at the same time, you bring the blitz, you play some press man. Even if you get beat, you get beat. But we've already seen from Tampa Bay when they play zone coverage against Drew Brees, he'll pick you apart. It's just a question of, okay, which... Knife, do you really want to get jabbed with at this point from the Saints? Do you want to give this a try, which I don't think Tampa Bay has really done so far, uh, versus trying to play zone coverage, which, again, we saw Chicago get picked apart down the field by the Saints. Yeah, I think you need to you need to do something to try and force Drew Brees into a potential turnover. And, you know, he's careful with the football, too. But, you know, you never know what you never know what's going to happen if, you know, a guy tips a ball off his fingertips and and you can get that turnover on defense. I think it's going to take some turnovers for this Tampa Bay defense to keep Drew Brees from, you know, just we've seen him put so much so many points up on the board against this Bucks defense this year. And yeah, so I, I like them. I, I like that idea of being a little more aggressive. Brandon, here's my pick for this game. I think Tampa Bay ends up winning this thing on a Ryan Suckup field goal, 30 to 27. Ooh, yeah. I think this is going to be another high scoring game, too. Uh, I will take, uh, yeah, um, hmm, 33 to 28. All right, there you have it. Those are our picks for the NFL Divisional Round. Brandon Schultz joining us here from the Seahawkers and Fuel Goals podcast. Brandon, if they want to catch the latest episodes of the podcast, how can they do that? You can check out our latest episode of the Seahawkers podcast up at seahawkerspodcast.com. For Field Goals, you can subscribe to any of the SB Nation podcasts at sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. Brandon, always a blast to chat NFL with you. Looking forward to breaking down this round and looking ahead at the uh, AFC and NFC title games next week. Let's talk next week.